Bibles this morning in terms of Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And uh, appreciate all of the great music this morning and uh, how it turns our attention upward. And so many times I feel like, and as we'll talk about this morning in the message, I think sometimes we come into church and our whole life has been consumed all Monday through Saturday with usward that we overlook the fact that our music is meant to be directed upward and not usward. And it's easy to get caught in that trap of making it about me and what will people think. And uh, if somebody hears my voice or sees me raise my hand, what will they say? Uh, Can I just let you know what most of us already know? We don't care. We don't care. Uh, Because we're singing for Him, to Him. And we're singing with each other. And I don't ever want anybody to think, well, you know, I'm just going to come in and sit and listen to the music team and because uh, they're going to sing at me. No, 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 no. We're singing with you uh, because we're singing for Him, for Him. And Psalm 100 is a great example of that as we uh, continue our study. Just a few weeks left this summer, uh, and I hope that you'll be tuned in every single week. Uh, Tailgate Sunday, next Sunday, and then uh, Labor Day weekend, the following weekend, as we kind of conclude and pause the Summer in the Psalm series uh, on Labor Day weekend. I hope that you'll be tuned in. Psalm 100, before we get there, let me just say two things. Uh, Number one, today is... Andrew Campbell's last day on staff with us for this summer, and uh, it's been a joy. And uh, Andrew, a lot of people have already seen you carrying it around, but um, you can come up here and you can grab your bag. And uh, we bought this. We bought this bag. Uh, Andrew was on the team in Guatemala a few weeks ago uh, with Brother Joe and the rest of the group, and uh, we had uh, the missionary said, "Hey." Uh, texted me and said, hey, Andrew's got his eye on this bag, and uh, he's talking about this bag, and what do you think if the church bought this bag for him? And uh, what a great plug right there, you know. What do you think if the church would buy this, you know? And I thought, well, we were already going to give him a gift, kind of a going away present, and so why not? Let's just get him the bag. And so uh, this is your bag. He's already got it. He's already had it. He's already been using it. But can we thank Andrew for being a part of our ministry team this week, this year? Thanks, man. Love you, man. He'll be heading out this week, Thursday, Wednesday, heading to, so this is your last service. Uh, here with us. And so uh, mom and dad are ministering at church in Elkton this morning. So it's just Andrew with us this morning. And so I appreciate his willingness to come and be a part of behind the scenes and uh, learning some of the how-tos of what makes a church operate uh, from behind scenes. And he's been involved in other ministries in the church. So I'm very thankful. And I did a great job preaching several weeks ago on Sunday morning. And so looking forward to seeing what the Lord has in store in his life in the future. Psalm 100 this morning. Let's uh, read a couple verses here today. Today is also uh, John and Alina's six-year anniversary being on our uh, ministry team. And so let's clap for them. McKenna, don't leave yet. McKenna. McKenna. Don't leave yet. Uh, And this is uh, Alex, right? Anderson. Anderson. Did I say it right? I'm sorry. Uh, Anderson. And uh, this is Ella May. Bye, Ella May. And... uh, LMA's my buddy. And so uh, this is Anderson's first day at church. 
And so uh, we're excited to have McKenna back, and let's clap for them. And uh, first day back, somebody. And the Meadows are here this morning and got the baby uh, this morning. And I think we've mentioned before, but they're here this morning with the baby in church. So shh. So he's doing good right now, or she's doing good. She's doing good uh, right now. Too many babies, uh, which is a good problem, which is a good problem, by the way. Uh, but I'm thankful for all of the future of our church that is, uh, that is alive and well. Uh, Psalm 100, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And you think about the brevity of that statement. We are his people. That a holy God, only a holy God, would identify himself with sinful man. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Because of that, we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. The goodness of God would go right there. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Several years ago, Michelle and I traveled to Nashville for a conference. Just the two of us. And uh, we were just there, first time ever being in Nashville, and we went and we traveled. And on our bucket list for years has always been to go to the Grand Old Opry. And uh, didn't care who was playing, didn't care who was singing, just wanted to go and experience the Opry. So we had one night, one day that would kind of work with our schedule. And so I called and looked online, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. Uh, called, no, I'm sorry, we don't have any tickets, I'm sorry, it's sold out. To make it even bigger and compounded, it was 9-11, an anniversary of 9-11, so they were having special patriotic emphasis that night. And so we were just bumped. I mean, we, we have one night, we just, this is the only thing we want to do. I mean, uh, we, we're here in town for this one event, and we're, we have one free night. Maybe it'll just work out. So one of the ladies I talked to on the phone, she said, I'll give you a suggestion. She said, sometimes, last minute, people will cancel. And she said, if you call two hours, and I'm a planner. That stuff makes me nervous, you know. <laughs> if you'll call two hours before the show, maybe someone will cancel their tickets. So sure enough, I called two hours before the show. And the lady said on the phone, you're not going to believe this. We have someone who just called. And there are two tickets available if you would like them. I did, at that point, I didn't care where they were. I didn't care where the seats were. And I said, I'll take them. She said, do you know, need to know how much? No, I'll take them. I don't care. Just, I want to go. I want to go. We had built it up and we had heard, oh, no, no, no. Finally, it's just like, we're we going to go. And so gave her my card, paid for the ticket. She said, well, you just need to be coming this way like right now because the show starts and all this stuff. She got done. She said, well, now that you've paid for the tickets, would you like to know where the seats are? I said, yeah, I, I want to know. And she said, these tickets are the best seats in the house. She said, they're in the dead center of the room, 10 rows back from the stage. She said, you literally have the best seats in the house. And I thought about that. 
And imagine if you were given those seats in heaven. Imagine if you had the best seats in the house. What would you expect to see or hear or experience with the best seats in the house? Would you be able to step back and make a joyful noise unto the Lord? All ye lands. Would you be able to experience His goodness? For the Lord is good. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's pray and then we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for the promises that we have in your word of your goodness to us. Help us in response to your goodness to make a joyful noise unto you. Lord, I ask that you please help us to see you this morning instead of ourselves. And Lord, I ask that you please help us to truly worship you this morning. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, please allow today to be their day of salvation and show them their spiritual need. And that need is you. They need the Lord in their life. Lord, for us that are saved, Lord, please draw us closer. Help us to see that we truly should come with a heart of worship every time we approach your presence because you're worthy of it. Lord, please cleanse my heart. Anything unconfessed, help me to be clean. Please forgive me and purify me this morning. And help me to be a clean vessel as I speak your word to your people. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're taking notes this morning. I want you to write down number one, make. All of the uh, verses here talk about one word that starts the verse. And the first verse in verse number one says, make. The opening verse of the psalm tells us that we will encounter When Jesus sits on his rightful throne during his millennial reign. This is a prophetic psalm. Looking ahead to the future. To when the Lord will make everything right. And the world will be drastically different than the way it is today. So how will people react in that day? We see number one, the delight that will be there. The delight. It says not just a noise to make. But it says make a joyful noise. And as I mentioned earlier, you might say, well, pastor, if I sing, there won't be anything joyful about the noise that comes out of my mouth. But at the same time, think about heaven's perspective. Heaven looks down on earth and sees disharmony and disunity and all kinds of disagreements with whether it's race or uh, gender or uh, problems or beliefs or religion or likes or dislikes. And we haven't even got football season yet. All of that is going on today, but imagine a time when there's total peace in the world. Total peace. See, there is a harmony coming to the world that hasn't been in effect since the Garden of Eden. And that is coming. But here's the truth of the matter. We already have that harmony in our hearts because of who's on the throne. For those of us who have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that peace that passes all understanding is in your heart and your life today. But the question is simply this. Is the peace and harmony that is in your heart coming out of your lips? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 26 verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So this morning, without singing a song, here's the question, do you have a joyful song? Do you have a heart that is full of peace and praise? The delight in the song. But not only that, we see number two, the direction of the song. 
It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Not to us, not to others, but to Him. We're not singing about us, we're singing about Him. Sing unto the Lord. And the emphasis of the psalm is not on the people, it's on our God. We see in verse number 2, it says, serve the Lord. In verse number 3, it says, know ye that the Lord, His people, His sheep. In verse 4, His gates, His courts, His name. See, the song is all about Him, but how often do we make the song about us? How often do we make the song about our week and how it's been? Because people ask us, man, how was your week? Oh, you will not believe the week that I had. But here's the thing. We often make our life about us and our circumstances when, in fact, we have a really good God. Still breathing. Man, God is still good. Hey, the Lord has blessed this past week, and you will not believe what the Lord showed me in my quiet time this past week when spending time with Him. Hey, we can make it about us, but shouldn't we actually make it about Him? Shouldn't we make everything about our life? Because when we look in the psalm, we see that He's our Lord, He's our God, He's our Creator, He's our Owner, He's our Shepherd, and none of those titles we deserve ourselves. They're all geared to Him. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. David said in Psalm 95 and verse 7, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. So if we belong to Him, then our lives should reflect Him. So the decisions that you and I make each day, do they reflect your agenda or do they reflect His agenda? The decisions, if this life is all about Him, if the direction of our praise should be towards Him, then our life should reflect His agenda and not our own. Not only the direction, not only the, uh, the delight, but not we see number three, we see the design. God's original design is that all the earth praise Him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Uh, we all understand that doesn't just mean America. Right? Uh, it's not just going to be white people in heaven. Pastor, are you really talking? Oh, yeah. There's going to be people there who don't speak English. All ye lands. See, every tribe and every nation and every tongue is going to be represented there. So that whole thing of, man, only white people are getting in, only Baptists are getting in, only this, whatever. Hey, you're going to be sorely shocked when we get to heaven because there's going to be people from everywhere. People who don't look like us. Hey, just newsflash, whether you realize it or not, Jesus doesn't look like us. Oh, no. Yes. He doesn't look like us. But when you think about the design, God's purpose is that all the earth praise Him. Amen. Not just some. You see, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall of man, all of creation was in total agreement when it came to praise. But we messed that up. Sin corrupted God's design. And mankind has to be redeemed. 
has to be redeemed. That's why David said in Psalm 40 verse 3, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear, shall trust in the Lord. His desire is that people will hear your praise, whether that's from your life or your lips, and will turn to Him. So are they convinced because of your song that you have to sing? See, that song should begin within us. It shouldn't be one that we just kind of chime in because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That song that's within, that God has placed there at the moment of salvation should not just stay inside of you. It should come out of you. And people should not only hear it, they should see it. Sinclair Ferguson said, The foundation of worship in the heart is not emotional, I feel full of worship. Or the atmosphere is so worshipful. Actually, it is theological. Worship is not something we work up. It is something that comes down to us from the character of God. Something that comes down to us. Hey, we can sing songs and we can get everybody riled up. And it'll last about that long. But when we think about who we're singing about and the purpose of our song, it lasts forever. I say, Pastor, how can it last forever? Oh, that's real simple. Because He is forever. The reason for our song is eternal. He is forever. How many of you say, Pastor, I don't even know how to play an instrument? Let me just be, let's have a moment of honesty and reflection. All right, John, this is going to be so simple. John, come help me for a minute, please. John, come and join me at the piano. All right? This is going to be fun. Everybody get their cameras out. Okay? I am going to teach. Go ahead. You, I'm not playing. You sit down. All right? I am going to teach John how to play a song. Okay. Okay? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. We're going to start at this note right here. Okay? All right. Uh-huh. Ready? One. Two. Same. Here. Stop. Let's do it again. Okay. okay. Ready? One. Okay, one more time. Okay, now do it yourself. Uh -oh. Here we go. You got it. <laughs> All right, you got it. Start right here. Uh -huh. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, huh? All right, hold on. No, you're not done. You're not done. <laughs> Don't clap yet. We're not done, okay? All right. All right. We're going to do it one more time. Okay. Okay? All right. Starting right here. Uh -huh. Okay? Go. All right. Okay? Now you can clap. You're done. Okay. All right. Now. Here's the question. 
Does John know how to play the entire song? No. Does John know what to do to play just that line? Yes. He knows what to do. He even knows how to do it. But John still doesn't know how to play the piano. Correct? 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 Okay. John still doesn't know. You know that's how we do church. We come in here and we learn what to do. I know what to wear. I know what to bring. I know what to say. But we still don't know how to worship. I know how to do church. I know when to raise my hand. I know how I'm supposed to behave, even if that means that I put on a mask and I disguise myself and don't look like who I really am Monday through Saturday. Hey, I know what to do. I know how to do it. But I don't know why. The why is our worship. The why, hey church, the why is the reason we're here. It's not the what. It's not the how. It's the who. He is the reason we worship. And until we learn about worship, we are wasting our time. You know why? Because when I know what to do, it's all about me. It's all about me looking good. It's all about me putting on a front. It's all about me experiencing worship when I know how to do it. It's all about putting on a facade. But when I strip down all those barriers and I come in and say, God, I need you today. You're worthy of it all. And I'm nothing. And I don't deserve to be here in your presence I don't allow to be, I don't deserve to be allowed in your presence. But when we think about the who, we have a Savior bigger than us. We can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make, number one. Number two, we see that we're to serve. When we think about serving, you might think, what that looks like or how you're supposed to serve. And maybe you say, well, you know, pastor, what do I do? What, what do you want me to do? But it's not about what we're doing. It's about who we're ultimately serving. Number one, we see our posture. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Our posture, when Paul wrote to the church of Colossae in Colossians 3, verse 23, he said, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as To the Lord. That means when I sing, it's not for other people, it's to the Lord. That means when I teach, it's to the Lord. That means when I mow grass, it's to the Lord. That means when I invite someone or I take one of those ping pong balls that John keeps talking about and won't stop talking about, uh, when I invite somebody to church, it's as to the Lord and not unto men. It's not about us. And we look at our roles and our service and we think about the people that I'm serving. But it's not about the people we're serving. Our focus should be on the person that we're serving. Not the people that we serve. Not about that, but about the person. Everything we do, church, is in service 
to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Our posture. When we come before him, we serve the Lord with gladness. Then we see number two, the perspective. The perspective. Not only our posture coming and serving him, but our perspective. The sound that we make. Come before his presence with singing. Singing. Remember that old whistle while you work? You know, the, the dwarves had it right. I've never seen somebody whistle angry. I don't even know that if you can whistle while you're angry. You see somebody whistling, typically they have a cheery disposition. Or something has just happened, they won the lottery or something, and, and all of a sudden they're happy and they whistle. But you think about the fact, is our tune a proper reflection of his goodness. Psalm 59 verse 16. Theme verse from several years ago. But I will sing of thy power. Yea I will sing aloud. For thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense. And my refuge when? In the day of my trouble. John MacArthur said. The source of most of the problems people have. In their Christian lives relates to two things. Either they are not worshiping. Six days a week with their life. Or they're not worshiping one day a week with the assembly of the saints. And we need both. Both. We need to serve the Lord with gladness. Our perspective. Then number three, we see that we're not only to make, to serve. Number three, we're to know. Know. Verse three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. You will only worship what you're convinced of. You'll only worship what you're convinced of. We see three things here. Number one, what we know. What we know. It says, verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Let me ask you a very simple question. Please don't answer out loud. Do you know that He's your God? Do you know that He is your Savior? Do you have a moment in time when you place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have that settled? The very first thing you have to understand about being saved is that you need a Savior. You have a spiritual need that cannot be fixed on your own. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they died spiritually, just like God said they would. In Genesis 2, 17, he said, Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of that fruit, thou shalt surely die. And as soon as they ate of the fruit, they died spiritually. Death took place in the garden in Genesis chapter 2, or Genesis chapter 3, excuse me, when they both sinned. The only way for mankind to be made righteous again, to be restored, God had to pay for sin himself. Say, well, Pastor, what if I choose to pay my sin penalty? You can, but the payment required is death. Death, for the wages of sin is death, Romans tells us. But think about this. If a sinless and holy God were to die for mankind, if he were to die, he would pass on not death but life to all who would believe in him. John chapter 1 and verse 4 said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. See, it takes faith in a holy God to be saved. It takes faith 
You say, Pastor, maybe I shouldn't just believe in myself. If it takes faith, what if I just believe in me? What if I believe in what I do and, and maybe I can earn my way in? You might be sincere in that belief, but can I tell you, you would be sincerely wrong according to the Bible. Not according to my thought, my belief, my opinion, according to God's Word. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is only made possible through Jesus Christ. And no one, no one will get to heaven one day who didn't come through Jesus. No one. No one will skirt by a holy God. He is a holy and just God. And he is the only way to heaven. A.W. Tozer said, Jesus is not one of many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of several ways. He is the only way. The only way. And he said so in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what we know. Number two, we see what he did. The Bible is very clear that God is the creator and we're the creation. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We see in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That means everything continues according to his design because of him. He is the one behind all things. And the problem on our day today, in our day today, is that we put more emphasis on us, the creature, than we do on him, the creator. Romans chapter 1, verse 25, Paul said, Who changed, talking about mankind, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. So we see what we know, he is God. Number two, we see what he did, he created all things. And then number three, we see who we are. It says, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. See, when I place my faith in him for salvation, I submit my plans and all of my authority to him. I give myself wholly and completely to his charge. I submit to come under. I submit myself to him as Lord. Just side note, he's already the Lord. Whether or not he's your Lord, he's the Lord. But when we acknowledge his lordship, We showcase his authority for all to see. That is the point. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And one of the greatest truths in scripture is the fact that when we find ourselves, place ourselves in Christ, that nothing will ever change that. Nothing will ever change that. It's a very simple illustration. Imagine that this ring, my class ring, is my soul. 
If I were to, before Christ, I lived with my soul. I did whatever I wanted to. I was my own boss before salvation. But when on March 1st, 2000, when I acknowledged Jesus Christ's presence in my life and I submitted myself to his authority as the Lord of all things and I asked him to save me and I asked him to forgive me of my sin and I acknowledged who he was, I took my soul and I placed it in the hand of Jesus. I submitted myself to him. And according to John chapter 10, the Bible says that He places my soul in his hand. God the Father places his hand over the Son. And according to Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 13, that I am now sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. So think about this. Before salvation, I was in charge of my soul. After salvation, God is now keeping my soul. Here's the question, church. Super simple. Can I lose something that I no longer hold? Hey, before salvation, I could lose my soul. And I was on that road, John chapter 3, already in condemnation. And that's where the world is. They're going to lose their soul. How much gain and how much profit is a man that he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? But when I came to Jesus on March 1st, 2000, and I placed my soul in his hand, in his keeping, for me to lose my salvation, something stronger than God himself. Think about that. Something stronger than God himself would have to break the seal of the Holy Spirit would have to pry God the Father's hands off of Jesus, would have to peel back Jesus' hand to get to my soul. Can I lose something that God has in His safekeeping? It's not possible, church. I don't care what sin you commit. I don't care what you've done, where you're from, what you think or what you're told. Your word does not trump God's. And God's Word teaches eternal security. We are forever sealed at the moment of salvation. Oh, pastor, what about this person that I know? Hey, we're not going. We're, We're focusing on God's Word. God's Word says we are forever sealed. What shall separate us from the love of God? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. How did He prove that love for us, church? He went to the cross for us. And by going to the cross and dying and rising three days later, if we place our soul in His keeping, He'll never lose it. He'll never lose it. Ephesians 1 verse 13, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We're to make a joyful noise. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. We're to know that He is God. And then lastly this morning, we enter into His gates and His presence. We see knowing who my master is makes all the difference in my worship. Because if I'm worshiping me, the master of my life is me. 
But when I know that He's the master, there's only one direction that my worship is praised, is, is pointed. My praise is pointed at Him. We see the place. Enter into His gates. Enter into His courts with praise. The place we'll all enter into. The only reason that we're there is because of Jesus. But that's the reason for the thanksgiving and praise. We're there to worship Him. That's one of the reasons that coming to the house of God is so important. Because we get to worship together. We get to worship our Savior with our church family. Other brothers and sisters in Christ. Other believers. People who have problems and issues. Just like we do. But have a God in heaven who loves us. And has proved and demonstrated that love for us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know what that means when I don't see somebody in church for a week or two? I'm to provoke unto love and good works. Hey man, where you been? We miss you. Hey, uh, just let you know we still love you. Hadn't seen you in a week or two. Just want you to know you're missed. Why? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Hey, encourage each other, and so much the more. You know, why, why do we have to encourage people even more? Because there's so many more distractions. You remember that old episode of Annie Griffith? What's your hurry? And Andy and Barney spent the rest of the episode trying to figure out how they could simplify life. And you know what happened? They found out it was really tough. Going here and going there and Aunt B's fried chickens over here and all this stuff. If you think about our life, we have all these distractions. I, I would dare say that you have a distraction in your pocket. Who's Facebooking me? You know? I'll never forget the Sunday I was preaching and I was, uh, my Facebook notifications were on then. They don't, they're not on now. But somebody was sitting in the room and they commented on somebody else's page and it showed up on my iPad and I wanted, to, I wanted just to walk back over to them and say, did you just do that? Uh, but I didn't. I was good. As you see the day approaching, what day? Hey, the Lord's day. Hey, He's coming. And we should encourage more, knowing that He's coming. We see the place. We enter into His arena. We see, number two, the purpose. It says, be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Are you thankful to be in His presence? When was the last time that you thanked Him for allowing Him to come into His presence? Think, after thousands of years of turmoil, think about future Millennial reign of Christ, his people, the Jewish nation, they have never experienced peace, ever. They've always been looking over their shoulder, wondering who's out to get them next, but not here. At this day, they will be thankful unto him and bless his name because it will be peace. And as I mentioned earlier, we have his peace in our heart today. His peace, are we thankful when we realize the reason we have peace is because of Him, it changes our praise. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
The place, the purpose, and lastly this morning, the permanence. It says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. See, this is not a temporary fix. This is a permanent solution. He is. Think about the fact of the consistency of these things. His goodness. His mercy. His truth. He's consistently good. Consistently merciful. He is always truthful. And all of those things outlive us. They outlive us. So here's the question today for this morning as we finish. Has he been good to you? Will he continue being good? Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Has he showed you mercy? Has he been merciful to you? You think he's going to continue that? It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love with he loved us. You think about his truth. Has he been truthful to you? Has he been truthful with you? His truth endureth to all generations. You think his truth is going to continue? Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. They're given to us to inspire us to get busy for him. I love this final quote this morning. Derek Bingham said, The Savior moved from divine doctrine to dirty feet in a very short space of time. We would do well to remember this. Say, Pastor, what does that have to do with Psalm 100? Because it reminds us that we are to act on what we've heard. See, God's word is not given to us just for filler of our lives. It's given to us to respond to his word. Do you know that God expects a response from his people? God expects us to see what he has shared with us through his word, whether that's in the privacy of your home or in a church service like this. God expects us to respond to his word. What's the response that he expects? Worship. Worship. How do we show that? By submitting to his authority in whatever area of our life there is. And if you hear him, feel him, sense him, Knocking on your heart's door this morning, a response is required. I think it's funny. Somebody will come to my front door, and we have two dogs in our house right now, mine and my mother-in-law's. So y'all please pray for me. Uh, but not, I didn't say my mother-in-law was a dog, by the way. Okay, so I did not say that. Don't go there. But it's funny when somebody knocks on our front door. Happened yesterday. Somebody knocked on our front door. All of a sudden, there is some commotion in our house. Both dogs, they, they go off of each other now. And both of them go berserk. We scared one of our new neighbors this past week who literally just came back to drop off something at our house. Couldn't even open the door. And they thought they were getting ready to get eaten. Well, what's interesting about that is when there's a knock, there's a response. And when God knocks on our heart, there should be a response. Do you hear him knocking today? Yeah, pastor, I hear you knocking on the pulpit. No, no, no. Do you hear him knocking on your heart's door today? Hey, are you going to submit 
hey, I'm good. Are you acknowledging that goodness? Acknowledging his mercy? Acknowledging his truth? Are you submissive to that knock on your heart today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to sing a song in just a minute that talks about who he is and what he does and the fact that he is sovereign over our lives. He's our ancient of days. None above him, none before him. All of time in his hands. His glory will remain and ever stand. All the power, the glory, I will trust in his name. For my God is the ancient of days. Maybe you're here this morning and he's not your ancient of days. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Can I pray for you today? I don't want to embarrass you or point you out or call you out. But I would like to pray for you today. Maybe that's your need that you have. Every one of us came in this morning with needs, by the way. We all have things in our life that God would like to oversee. That God would like to help us with. But so many times we hold on to them with our dying breath. Say, no, I got this under control. And he's sitting there saying, hey, if you'll just hand it to me, I'll help you. If you'll just surrender it, I'll help you. If you'll just submit, I'll help you. Would you let him help this morning? Maybe you're here and you're not sure that you're saved. and Say, Pastor, that's my need. I know it. God knows it. He's knocking on my heart's door this morning. Maybe that's your need. Could I pray for you and be your friend this morning? Not going to embarrass you. But maybe you'd say, Pastor, that's my need. Would you slip up your hand while no one's looking around so I know who to pray for? Pastor, that's my need. Please pray for me. Is that you today? I don't want to embarrass you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. I saw it. Maybe you haven't raised your hand yet, but you'd raise it right now and say, Pastor, that's my need. Please pray for me. I'm not sure that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I just don't know. I don't have that confidence. Please pray for me. Is that you? Is that you? While we wait just a moment, I don't want to miss you, but I do want to pray for you. Pastor, please pray for me. Maybe you're here this morning and you know in your heart what God already knows, that you've not surrendered everything to him. You've not surrendered that secret part of your life that maybe nobody knows about. Maybe there's that one area of your life that say, hey, this is off limits. This is mine. Friend, can I be your friend and just remind you that everything you have belongs to him. Whether you acknowledge it or not, it's his. But would you simply surrender what you're holding back to him this morning? You don't have to do that publicly. You can do it right there in your seat. You can even pray and acknowledge his lordship and Surrender your life to Him for salvation right where you sit. You don't have to come forward. But maybe you would take just a moment and you would talk to Him about what He's knocking on your heart's door about. Salvation is simply acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That Jesus came and died and rose. Died on the cross, rose from the dead to secure your salvation. If you'll simply ask Him to save you, He will keep His promise and He will save you. That's what salvation is. It is truly that simple. Based on the authority of God's word, not mine. On God's word. That's salvation. And right there in your seat, you can simply pray and ask him to forgive you of your sin. Take control of your life and be your savior. Acknowledge what you already know that you need him. Maybe you'll do that today. And for those who are saved, already know it. Maybe you'll acknowledge his lordship today. Again, maybe recommit. 
re-surrender, acknowledge that He is God alone and that you need Him and need His involvement. There are cards right there in front of you, right there in your seat, back of the person sitting in front of you. And if you make a decision today, how about share it with someone? The Bible says, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Would you simply do what God's leading you to do this morning? As we sing in just a minute, not going to have everybody stand today. Just going to allow you an opportunity to kind of reflect on what we've heard this morning, time in His Word, and do what God wants you to do this morning. As the music team sings in just a second, let's simply take a time to pray and reflect. Our personal workers are already in place. There's some in front, some behind you. And if you need to talk to somebody, have someone pray with you this morning, we'd be honored to do that. Altar's already open if you want to come and pray. That's fine. I'll be right down front. If you need to speak to someone, we'd be honored to help you. Father, please do a work in hearts as only you can. And Lord, take this time and help us to respond to that still, small voice knocking at our heart's door. And Lord, I ask that you please do what only you can do. Thank you for being our ancient of days and being the power and authority in our lives. Lord, I sure am glad that my life isn't up to me. And the outcome of my life is not in my hands. I'm thankful that you are in control this morning. Lord, we acknowledge your lordship in our lives. Help us to live it out every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay right there in your seat. The music team is going to sing, and we'll sing together in just a moment. Do what God wants you to do today as we sing.